Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, I'm excited that you are listening in for season five, where we are starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and faith. This month, our first episode introduced Leke from Nigeria. Leke shared about her growing up in Africa, how childhood trauma impacted her faith, how she came to Christ in 2012 and still finds herself asking lots of questions. And I loved her honesty about where she's at, the questions she's asking about Christianity, and her sharing of her journey. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go and check out that first episode with Leike and hear her story. We'll put a link to that episode and more in the show notes, and you can find it all over at findingsomethingreal.com. We've got stuff like free resources, an occasional blog post, along with ways to connect or even apply to be on this podcast. Also, a special shout out to those of you helping support this program as monthly patrons. Thank you especially to Colleen, who has been faithfully supporting this ministry. Your monthly contributions matter, and I'm so thankful. And to you, my listener friend, if you love what we're doing here at Finding Something Real, I'd love to invite you to join us as a Patreon supporter. Patreon support starts at just $5 a month, and in exchange, you'll get a one-time thank you gift, along with a bonus podcast episode sent to your inbox every month. That bonus episode is a monthly recap of the conversations we've had all month, and I always invite the young woman whose stories are featured on this podcast to join me for those candid and casual wrap-up conversations. So if you are interested in hearing those follow-up episodes and or you just like this podcast, please check that out. Again, you can go over to findingsomethingreal.com. So Leike is not able to be here with us for this episode. I'm kind of sad about it. Um, And I think she would have wanted to be, but scheduling-wise, it just didn't work out today. But I'm hopeful she'll be back for some of our future conversations. But today we are here with a very special guest. Our guest today was born and raised in a minority Christian community in India. She moved to America in 28, 2008, sorry, I'm used to saying the 2020s. Mabel now writes at the intersection of faith, culture, and identity. She has written numerous articles and devotions, and she's the host of the YouTube podcast, Immigrant Faith Stories. She is currently pursuing a master's in theological studies from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And she lives in Northern California with her husband and her son. Please welcome to the Finding Something Real podcast, Mabel Nainan. Mabel, welcome. Thank you for having me, Janelle. This is such an honor and privilege uh, to be able to talk with you. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here today. We got connected through a mutual podcaster and friend. So shout out to Stephanie Roussel, the host of the Gospel Spice podcast, Stephanie was on this podcast last year sharing her story with my Italian exchange daughter, Lou. Uh, Stephanie has an incredible story of coming to Christ as a French foreign exchange student, and I loved having her here. In fact, I hope to have her back soon. So thank you, Stephanie, for connecting us. And Mabel, tell me about you and your faith journey. Um, What was it like growing up in India? Um, Well, I grew up 
um, in a middle-class family in India. And my mom was a very strong believer, you know, um, she was um, working as a teacher at that time. And then later on, she started her own business and had her own school. Uh, my dad worked a regular um, government job uh, as a banker, and it was me and my sister. And it was a very normal, uh, happy, I would say, upbringing. Um, we grew up very um, saturated with the Bible because my mom, you know, she ensured that we had family devotions every day. And uh, we were part of a small church growing up, a Methodist church. So going, not going to Sunday school was not an option or not <laughs> going to church was, you know, no excuse would work with my mom. We just had to do it. Um, and I think another interesting part of my upbringing now that I look back was that uh, because my mom was so passionate and she went wherever she could uh, get any kind of spiritual food, we got introduced to different spiritual settings and uh, denominations. Um, she enjoyed going to uh, a YWAM fellowship, Youth with a Mission, you know, and that was actually far away from us. But at least once a month, I think we would travel and fellowship with them and, and you know, see how they interacted uh, with others and how they worshiped was very different from how we did it in a small Methodist church. And in India also, um, pastors traveled and visited homes. And I'm sure, you know, many years ago, it was the same here. So we would have a lot of different kinds of pastors visiting us. Um, Salvation Army pastors, I remember they would come because you can recognize them from the uniforms. Mm -hmm. And every time a pastor visited or came home for something, you know, my mom would just love on them and be so hospitable. You know, they would get a meal and she would ask them to um, encourage her through the word. And so they would preach from the Bible and then pray for our family. And we had to you know, attend it no matter what, like in my head, I used to think this is so boring, <laughs> but it was during one of those times that I actually, uh, I think accepted Jesus as my Lord and savior, because this pastor had preached on hell and heaven. And I was just scared of hell and I love Jesus. And I thought, you know, I want to be with him in heaven forever. And uh, this happened when I was hardly, I think seven or eight years old. And so since then, um, I think I had to figure out on my own what that meant, what that looked like. Um, in my teenage years, I went through a hard time. Um, and, and sometimes I don't even know what triggered that, maybe just hormones, <laughs> where, you know, from being a very social person, I became a loner. Uh, but it wasn't until I think my early 20s was a time of crisis, I had got into a relationship gotten into a relationship with someone, um, an unbeliever, and it just, uh, I, I will not say I rebelled and I lost my faith, but I moved away from God. And when that relationship didn't work out, um, I just fell back into, you know, um, the, the only way I knew how to deal with it was to go back to God. And I just recommitted my whole life to him. And because, you know, when you're in your 20s or you're young and you're very ambitious, I, I call it like a one track mind, right? You have a one track mind. I need to get a job. I need to be successful in a career. I need to find a handsome young man and get married. And that's on your mind. <laughs> that's all you're thinking. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Not mm -hmm. like uh, always on your mind, but that's what drives you. And so, um, but I think when I had this kind of experience and the more and more I, more I surrendered to God and I told him that, you know, I'm single. I don't know when I'll get married, that I don't want to think about it right now, but you have my attention, all of me, uh, because I know when I get married and children, I will not be able to give you all the energy and attention probably, but right now mm -hmm. I'm just committing my life to you. And I think, um, I can see that as a big turning point in my life because my perspective was how do I serve God wherever I am? And it was not no longer about 
me and me being uh, successful in my career or me finding a husband or even looking at marriage as the way to ultimate happiness or something like that. Um, And so that was huge. Um, And at that point, I had also moved to a larger church and a church that was more Pentecostal. And I was serving in their youth ministry and reaching out to young people. And I really enjoyed that. And I could see, you know, um, God using me um, in ways that I could not have imagined. And so after uh, being in that church for a few years is when I met my husband because he had come to um, as a visitor to that church and we got introduced through a mutual friend um, and we fell in love. And he's also a believer, comes from a very strong believing family. And he had to move to the US. We had to move because of work. And so that's what um, brought me here. And I'm probably going to let you ask a few questions before I go on and on. (laughs) Wow. Well, Well, you definitely have been on a journey. Um, I know you have a book coming out very soon Mm. in July, probably real close to the time that this podcast airs. Um, Tell me about the passion behind that. And what is your book about? Um, Yeah, my book is called Far From Home, Discovering Your Identity as Foreigners on Earth. And it was born out of this period of, uh, you know, struggle that I went through when I relocated from India to the U.S. And if any of you has moved, you know, even from one city to a completely new city, you understand, you know, what that feels like. And when I was listening back to Leike's um, interview with you, she said at one point, I don't remember if she moved from the north of Nigeria to the south or she moved as a child and she felt like she was plunged into a new environment in her words it was she said I was plunged into the sea or something and I know exactly what she's (laughs) talking about because I felt the same thing you know being just uprooted from one place and um, you're kind of grafted in another place um And this is not even within the same country. It's a completely different country, a different culture. Um, And so I went through loneliness. Sometimes it was as simple as who do I talk to around? You know, when you don't have anyone to talk to, you've not yet developed uh, friendships. So I grieved um, the loss of community, the loss of family, the loss of anything familiar. Um, Another thing that happens, I think, with uh, many immigrants is also the stress of adapting to a new place, right? There's small, small things that kind of add to the stress, but that we are not actually aware of, Um, whether it is new traffic rules or new way of, you know, uh, new social mores that you have to get used to, a new way of shopping. Everything is new, so you're learning to adapt. Um, Another thing is just having to start from scratch and it's it's hard especially if you feel like you don't need to if you feel like you don't need a clean slate you've already you know established yourself you want to build on it you don't want it wiped clean so you start from scratch and I think um, that was one that that uh, that part of the struggle was hard for me because um, I was working and I had uh, you know built up a professional resume, I must say, or even community-wise, you have contacts in the community or ministry-wise, you know, you establish a certain credibility for yourself. So when I moved, I was almost 30. So by that time, you know, as an adult, you're usually in some way um, established, right? So I think starting from scratch was very hard. And all these things kind of affected how I saw myself. And I just started to go down, I think spiral down a a dark road that I didn't see myself as valuable anymore. I was not being productive. Um, I didn't see myself as having um, worth or value. Um, And this affected my faith, my relationship with God. Um, And I think also looking back, I was not prepared for all this, right? I was happy, I was starting a new life with my husband and I was going to the US. And um, so I was excited and I was so um, 
happy for the opportunity to uh, settle down and 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 start a new life with my husband. But so I was not prepared for all of this, and I didn't know what was coming at me. Um, and I think all these things kind of robbed me of my joy, and uh, they really tested my faith. Um, because I thought coming into the country, I came as a very strong believer. Uh, but for some reason, I was struggling to hold on to my relationship with God and find purpose in life. And mm. in fact, I start far from home with one of these illustrations where I wake up and I'm in New Jersey that morning. And I think, why should I wake up? What do I have to do here? What is the purpose? So I went from being, you know, passionately serving God to just going through the motions day by day and trying to figure out what, where to find meaning, satisfaction, um, and joy. And so this book was born out of those, um, those dark moments. And um, it was not until I started, you know, really spending time with God and spending time reading his word. And again, it reminds me of those days in my 20s when I fell in love with Jesus again, that, um, and this happened in community, though I was doing a Bible study with a group of women, we were studying Matthew. And I think just again, seeing Jesus through fresh eyes and, and knowing his heart again, knowing his, um, what it is that he wants from me and that he loves me so much and that he has a purpose for me. And I started to see myself also as a spiritual immigrant. I wondered, you know, why am I trying to find rootedness and belonging in this world when this world is not home anyway? Um, First Peter says we are aliens and strangers. And he says that um, at least two times in the episode, you know, and he says, dear brothers, as strangers and exiles in this world. Um, and even in Hebrews, when um, the author talks about all these biblical patriarchs, these famous people who are known for their faith. He says that they admitted they were foreigners and strangers on earth, looking ahead to the promise they had. They were looking forward to a better city. And I thought, you know, that's what I am here, whether I'm in India or in the US or in another country, I don't belong anywhere. And the more I get closer to Jesus, the more foreign everything feels, right? And uh, in that sense, we are all foreigners on earth. And I wanted uh, to encourage others with that message. And maybe they've not struggled with uh, the same kind of uh, experience that I've had by being an immigrant, but it could come in all kinds of ways. You may not feel like you belong in your own family or, uh, you're going through a long period of um, suffering, or you're going through a change that has completely disoriented you, you feel adrift. And so the what do we hold on to, we can always hold on to a person and not a thing, not a place, not a community, not even our churches can be our anchor, but our anchor uh, must be Jesus. So that's my heart and passion for uh, this book. Wow. Well, I love that. It's funny that you are talking about basically spiritual culture shock <laughs> uh, this morning. This morning, first thing when I woke up, which was not a good choice, I am reading the news, right? And I go on this rabbit trail and I start reading about the video games and the most popular video game that's been out there for, you know, since 2003. It's this horrible, like Grand Theft Auto, I think is what it's called. And I have someone in my life who's been playing that. And I start, um, I start researching it. And I'm seeing all this horrible stuff that is marketed towards children, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sexual things and violent things. And I'm getting in my spirit angry and thinking, what kind of world do we live in? And so this morning, my reaction was, I just want to check out. I just have this culture shock of, I don't belong here. This is not the way it was meant to be. So what do you say, since you've uh, now researched some of this, Mabel, and it's a passion of yours, what do, you do, what do you say to people who are going, man, this world is not my home. I'm having culture shock, and I just want to check out and get somewhere else. How do you, what do you deal yeah. with when you, how, how do you deal with that? 
That's a great question and something that I myself have, you know, struggled with, and especially during the pandemic too. Um, there was especially a time when the Delta virus was just getting so bad in India. I was afraid to look at my WhatsApp because I didn't know, you know, which friend or which relative is going to be deceased. And it was just bad news everywhere. And you think you want to check out. Um, and at those times, I look back at Jesus's prayer for his disciples. I think it was in John. And he says, uh, Father, they are not of this world even as I am not of this world, but he prays that the, that God the Father would preserve his disciples. And they said, people would hate them because of me, but you preserve them. Because I think even though um, we are made for eternity and we have this hole in our hearts that's been embedded um, when we were created to kind of long for that eternal home in heaven, but God created us to live here um, and to engage with the world here because he uh, has a purpose. He's made us to be his ambassadors and to, to be representatives of the kingdom. And that is what it essentially means to be citizens of heaven um, is that the world is going to get um, you know, more and more messy, chaotic, uncertain maybe, or even dark. And at those periods of time, especially as followers of Jesus, we are called to engage and not check out. We are called to raise up voices. Our voices need to be louder. We are called to love more, um, be more radical with our actions and, and show them that we have the answer, that Jesus is the answer. Um, because I think these um, events are you know, world uh, shaping events or anything bad that happens in our community are opportunities for people to see that uh, God is in control and that only he can be our true anchor, only he can be our true home. And so I think I'm trying to see them as opportunities and ask God, where can you use me in, in all that's happening? And because you know, if you look at it as um, a traveler or, or a tourist going to another country, they have a purpose to it. They're, they're not going to go and attend a business meeting, right? They're not going to dress in business attire, but you're a tourist. You have a plan, you have an agenda. That's what you do. And you get out of there. And as foreigners on earth, if you see yourself as a pilgrim, as a sojourner, and that this time that we have on earth, we don't know when it will end, but it's a journey but it has a purpose that whenever things get messy or whatever happens, that our purpose is to be Christ's, Jesus's hands and feet and um, represent him to the world um, and be that source of comfort and strength to others. And I don't know if I've answered your question. I, I, <laughs> I'm I mean, just listening to, to you. Out, right? And that's <laughs> the easy wonderful. way out. But that's not what we're created for. We have a higher purpose. And I was thinking even, you know, recently about the Buffalo shooting that happened, mm -hmm. you know, it's so easy to nod your head again. And uh, I was thinking, oh, one more time, do I have to raise my voice and say something on social media? When does this stop? And can we just give up? But I realized, no, I have to speak up mm -hmm. and I have to um go out there and, and be continue to, to be uh, Christ's ambassador. There is no resting for us. We don't get weekends. We don't get holidays <laughs> just because things get bad. Yeah. Right. We have to be uh, on it every, every day. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that book. Oh, man, I love it. It's just this little book called um, Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee. And it's just this tiny little thing. And um, Watchman Nee was in prison for his faith in China um, years ago. And he wrote this book. Um, and I can't remember if he wrote it while he was in prison, but I think he did. Um, but anyway, his his whole, the little book is just a synopsis of Ephesians. And he talks about how as Christians, we want to walk uh, in our faith. We want to stand against the devil and his schemes. But first we have to sit. We have to sit with the Lord because when 
the winds come and the culture shock, you know, falls upon us and we're suddenly realizing, whoa, like you did, I don't belong to this world that really this is spiritually, this makes sense why I feel like this, um, that it's God that sustains us. It's that relationship that we have with him that gives us the power to stand and to walk. And, um, but I love, I love your passion, Mabel. I love your story too. I think it resonates with anyone, whether they've been, you know, a foreigner in a foreign land, uh, an exchange student, uh, you know, obviously I have a passion for that, uh, with the girls that come on here or somebody, uh, like Lake who's lived in Nigeria her entire life, you know, and you're talking about just going across the country. We've all been in situations where we look and we go, I don't really belong here or I feel like out of place. So um, I love that you are taking that message and reminding people of the truth found in Christ. And the book is called Far From Home. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. That's awesome. And will it be available um, on Amazon on a certain day? It releases on July 12th and it's available on all major uh, online retailers. Awesome. And people can pre-order it as well. I think. Absolutely. Because Amazon is pretty good about that. So something, that, I'm so glad you're here. Um, in reading about your story and about your book, I thought of Lake's story. And that's why you're here today. Mm-hmm. Um, Lake brought up how hard it is sometimes for Christians to get along. And you kind of mentioned uh, your own journey and um, being exposed to different denominations and different things. But one of the things she um, talked about and you talk about in your book is about finding community and common purpose um, with other Christians um, or fellow sojourners, as you say. Um, but sometimes there are some big differences um, among believers, cultural differences being a big one. I'm sure you've experienced some of that, or sometimes doctrinal differences or even differences in worship expression. Um, so we know that differences are out there, but before we talk about even accepting differences among believers, why do you believe unity among Christians is even important? Oh, wow. <laughs> I think, again, because um, it goes back to our purpose. Uh, God never created us to work alone. He's always had community built into our identity and our purpose um, as his children. Even the fact that when we are saved, we are adopted into his family, you know, that is so much part of our identity. So if I am a child of God, you are a child of God. We have one father and that binds us to God's family. And so that is um, the basis for our unity. Um, And so we don't have to, I think, generate unity in any way we already um like i said it's it's part of our identity and when when we are saved and because we are all saved um through through christ's blood and we've all been um given one spirit and and the bible says we are all also one body uh, with just we're all many parts of the same body and collectively as the church we are God's temple. God lives among us, with us. And so we are already united on account of our salvation. Uh, and so how do we pursue this unity, maintain it, and grow it is basically, I think, what we do here on earth <laughs> with our lives. Um, and I think the goal is that through our unity, again, People will know we are Christians, right, by our love and how we love each other. They know we are Christians. Um, Our individual callings and purposes are all kind of, they they overlap. My purpose intertwines with yours in in magical ways, uh, mysterious ways. And so we, uh, there is nothing like I have an individual purpose to fulfill here. Um, unless we are united and work towards it, then we fulfill individual callings as well as what um, God has called the church to do, uh, which is to, you know, um, represent him well. Mm. Yeah. 
Do you think your understanding of that um, call for unity is maybe a little richer than somebody? Because I, I feel like, you know, I grew up in America. It's very individualistic. We pride ourselves in being individuals and, uh, you know, mavericks. I, I think of Sarah Palin and what she said <laughs> 10 years ago or whatever. I'm a maverick. Uh, that's kind of um, the mindset for a lot of Americans. And it's kind of the the reputation we have around the world uh, based on the conversations I've had with people who aren't from here. And I'm wondering, um, from what I know of African culture, but also Indian culture, it's much more community centered. Am I right in saying that? And do you Mm -hmm. feel like that's given you a different perspective? And, And what have you seen about that? Like in India, when you were going to church at the Methodist church or whatever with your mom, did you feel a sense, a stronger sense of community than, say, what you're seeing here living in the States the last 14 years or whatever it's been? Um, yes, in the, in the sense, the, the culture, like you mentioned, is a very community-based culture, not an individualistic culture. So we derive our identity not so much on our individual achievements, but, you know, our family and our community. And, for instance, when people... Um, you know, get meet you somewhere and, you know, they want to get to know you. They'll ask you your name. They'll ask you about your parents and where you're from. Uh, and then they'll go into, okay, so what do you do? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much that they can actually get from a name. They can tell which part of India you're from. They can tell if you're a Christian or a Muslim or a Hindu. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so even now, when I go back to my um, city where I was born and raised, a lot of them, they will not know my name, but they know me as my dad's daughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's uh, part of my identity. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a culture that's just very heavily um, community oriented. And my church was definitely a second home. We were all very close to one another. And it was... Um, a local church in the sense that we all lived nearby. And so, uh, we, you know, we would visit one another's homes. And um, I mean, my friends' parents were my Sunday school teachers and I know everyone's siblings and my parents know my friends. And so it was just like one large family. Uh, and, I, and I'm just so, I feel so blessed that I, my, I had that as part of my childhood experience. And that's what church was to me growing up was one huge family and where we did things together and people come going and coming out of our homes. Also, my, uh, my family was uh, very hospitable in that way. Our doors were always open. Um, and I think, yes, to many people coming from Asia and when they move to Western countries, that's one area of struggle. Uh, my husband and I are involved with an organization here where we work with Indian exchange students, not exchange students, but foreign students. They come here to do their masters and uh, we help them, you know, get settled or uh, how to write their resumes and things like that. And one person, and this, this happened just a few days ago, he asked us, you know, I'm going to get a job and settle down. I'm confident of that. I, I don't worry about that. But how do I build community here? I don't even seem to know my next door neighbor. And that, and we were laughing because we, we told him <laughs> it's been more than 13 years and we're still trying <laughs> to find answers to that question. So, <laughs> uh, and he was in the country only for a month, I think. He, he was new, but he, it's so easy to see that it's going to be difficult to have that kind of um, you know, uh, community that you had in your home country. Um, I think, for instance, even small things like um, inviting someone home in India is very easy to do. You meet a stranger, you make friends with them, and then you'll say, oh, just come on over. And it's not like our homes are, you know, spick and span and clean, but um, that is just like the next step of friendship. But here I've noticed that it takes a while for people for, because for them, that's like the fourth or fifth step in the friend, in friendship. And I'm not generalizing, but this is from what I've mm-hmm. seen. Uh, and not everyone's like that. I have friends whose, you know, homes I visited early on. But it takes longer, I think, to, to develop intimate relationships for some reason. And I've still not figured out why that is. 
but I think it 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 is a struggle because um, when you're individualistic, all you're thinking is about like yourself and your comfort and your needs and what should I achieve rather than if I do this, how is it going to affect others around me? Is it in their best interest? Mm-hmm. Um, there were certain things growing up that I just couldn't do because I was very aware of how this is going to affect the way people perceive my family. And I mean, there are good and bad things to it, but uh, it definitely gave me uh, a different perspective coming here. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting too. I, um, if this airs at the time, I think it will. Last month we talked uh, with Tati, who's a German atheist. And at the end of our first conversation that we had, that we recorded, I asked her, Tati, because we're, we're good friends, I call her my German exchange niece. I said, Tati, what of the, of the things that we talked about about Christianity, which thing disturbed your atheism the most? And she said it wasn't a conversation. It was the community. Mm. It was uh, this community of love, basically, uh, this acceptance and everything else. And so... Mabel, what advice would you give to the church? Because we know that Jesus prayed for it the night he was betrayed. He prayed for unity among the believers. As you said, you know, and I've talked about on here on the podcast before, you know, in the essentials, um, you know, we're, we're his body. He dwells among us. Um, but it's it doesn't take... Uh, being an outsider to see that there's a lot of infighting, a lot of people being unkind to one another. I think um, Leike and I talked about complementarianism and these mm-hmm. different, uh, you know, things in the church that uh, w- we argue about or we point fingers at or we become um, other than, uh, you know, if it doesn't look like us. And um, I'm just wondering, especially because the stakes are so high, mm-hmm. um, if people on the outside see, whoa, uh, I mean, even someone listening to this podcast, yeah, there's something compelling about this Jesus. And if people actually were living like it, and I saw that, I'd be drawn in. And even my own mom, when she was on the podcast in May, she said she saw these kids having fun and Mm -hmm. being so full of joy and thinking, I want what they have. So we know it's really important uh, that there's a lot against it. What are some ways we can do better? What What are some thoughts that you have on that? Um, yeah, I, I can just talk from my experience and, and what I've observed. Um, you know, the first church that we attended here, and we were just brand new, I think a few days in the country, and we just walked down the street <laughs> to find <laughs> a church on Sunday. And uh, the first culture shock was that they were all very old people. Um <laughs> <laughs> And now I realize it's just the demographic, right? India is a younger country, so you'll find more younger people. That's just it. But I think this this church had more predominantly senior citizens, um, and then the singing was very quiet. And so I had to like I had to work hard to just tone down my volume and sing very softly and quietly. But I also remember I didn't know anyone, but I just was in tears because I felt. The, this power of the shared identity that they are worshiping the same God. And here I am, you know, thousands. I, I came from a country that's thousands of miles away. Um, my husband and I were probably the only people of color in that room, but they all turned around and smiled and we felt so welcome. And just worshiping God with these people. I I still remember that moment because we we both were, in tears, we had goosebumps because you experience what it is like to worship God. And on one hand, we are strangers, on but on the other hand, we are not, right? We are all like spiritual siblings. Um, they're my brothers and sisters, and they're so different from us, but we could worship God together. And that uh, was, it just brought us so much joy. And I think after the fellowship, all these people surrounded us. They asked us questions. They wanted to know more about us, you know, where we're from. And they they loved on us so much. And I think that I still look back to that experience. This was almost 12 years ago as one of the best experiences, church experiences I've had. 
And over the years, you know, uh, my husband and I have moved a lot. That was also part of, you know, why I uh, had so many problems adjusting. This is like our 10th or 12th home in 13 oh, years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we were first in, we landed in Southern California, but then we moved to New Jersey, two different places in New Jersey, in Arkansas. Then we went back to India for a year. Uh, we came back to Southern California. And then now we are in Northern California. We've been here about three years or so. And so everywhere we've gone to, we've tried to find a church. And some places, you know, we were only there six months. So it's unfair, you know, to say that we didn't find community there because it it takes time. And we just didn't, we were unable to do that. Um, but I think what I noticed is to look beyond the differences that we do see that are visible to our eye, which is, you know, differences in color or in the way people dress, the way people worship or um, anything. And to hold on to or to be able to see with spiritual eyes the commonalities that you do share with that person, which are spiritual in nature. And so I've had to train myself to look beyond the things that you can see to um, taking grasp of the commonalities that I do share. And I've had some great relationships here with um, many people who are not Indian, but I find that I get along better and I have this instant connection because they, I think, talk about Jesus in the same way that I do. And I feel just great connection with them. And so it's, because it's not that I only connect with other Indians, you know, I mean, I could meet another, I always tell my husband, why do I feel the pressure to make friends with every Indian I see? <laughs> and not everyone I can get along with, but I found people here from different cultures that I just feel like they're my sisters or brothers just from our, the way we, um, you know, see our faith uh, and how it is relevant in our lives and how we study the Bible and how we like to talk about the Bible and how we worship God, even if they are different. And now this is a big one, right? These days, political affiliations. Uh, but to be able to look beyond that and to just consider that it's a small part of that person. Uh, it's not the whole of who they are, but who they are is a brother or sister gifted to me in Christ. And I find it amazing. I mean, being part of so many denominations, I would think this is such a gift, especially when I go to a new place. I don't know anyone there, but I go to church and I feel this community that, I mean, it, like I said, I don't know them, but it's a gift that Christians have that no matter where you go, you know that you are part of this family of God, no matter where you are. And even in the pandemic, when churches were shut down, you know, now you realize you're part of this global church. I was able to get in touch with my home church in India. You know, I did online VBS with them. <laughs> I was able to teach their Sunday school. And so I was never, not just me, but any believer is never far from that community because you have, whether it is locally or globally, we are part of such a tremendous family. Uh, and, and this family that is connected both to, you know, what's going on here in the world as well as heaven, and that what we do here has an impact for eternity. And that's amazing. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, one more question on that, and then we'll move on to a different topic here. But um, I know that with this podcast, a lot of times I'm talking with young women or I'm talking to young women who are unsure about faith. And there's the possibility that there's somebody listening right now who's not a Christian, who's wondering, um, what are you unified on? Um, <laughs> so would you mind sharing what the essentials are as far as when we say we're all one, uh, you know, body and all that stuff, what is it that's central to the Christian faith that when you walk into a church, you know, if this is here, uh, these are my brothers and sisters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to know that, you know, you believe Jesus died on the cross for you, that God loves you so much that he sent his only son to shed his blood 
for you so that you could be saved. And then just by believing in him, um, you have this assurance that your sins are forgiven and that you belong um, to him now, your life belongs to him. And that um, and when you believe that, uh, you receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit that it's sometimes I've thought about it and how amazing this is that the Holy Spirit assures you you're forgiven. How do you know that now I'm, you know, quote, in quotes, Christian, or now I'm a follower of Jesus? It's that Holy Spirit that assures you that you are a Christian. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps you um, understand God's word, to live like Jesus, to find community, to know how to, um, you know, live uh, a godly life, to know how to pursue righteousness, all that we have the, we depend on the Holy Spirit. We don't depend on our own strength. And so I think that to me are the essentials to believe uh, again, going back to Jesus's death, not just in Jesus's death, but also in the resurrection that because he died and rose again, that we too will, um, you know, be resurrected one day. And that is the hope we have. That hope of uh, eternal life is, I think, very essential because believe me, I do came across someone who does not, who calls themselves a Christian, but does not believe in that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and so I've, you know, we do meet people who say Jesus is one of the many ways, the many paths to salvation, but the Bible is clear that Jesus is the only way to salvation. So seeing the Bible as God's inspired word, that this is the truth that we live by. I think those are the essentials. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I love, um, that movie about Lee Strobel's life, A Case for Christ, and I think, um, spoiler alert, when he comes to faith at the end of the movie, his wife is sitting down with him and they're praying or they're about to pray. And she's flipping through the scriptures and she's talking because he's like, how does this work? What do I do? <laughs> she's like, well, uh, and I don't remember what she turns to. I think it might be in something in Romans, but she says, believe, receive, become. Mm. And I just think that's so beautiful. You know, we believe that his word is true. We receive him into our lives. The Holy Spirit confirms it. And he's the one who does the work. Mm -hmm. uh, because frankly, churches are full of a lot of people who are maybe on different paths in their journey. Yeah. And yeah. maybe they're not sanctified in the, the same way that you want someone to be sanctified. Or And by sanctified, I mean like looking more like Jesus, like you want them to look more like Jesus. But they're on that path of, I've believed and I've received, and now I trust you, Jesus, with the becoming. Yeah. And um, and I think that's why we do see a lot of people looking different than us yeah. in, the, in church, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and um, can I add one more thing to that, yeah. just real quick, that that is also part of the diversity of the church, that we have people at different points in their faith. Yeah. And when I look back, you know, how sometimes crazy passionate I was and all the wrong things that I did as a young adult. I'm thankful that God surrounded me with people who had patience and humility mm -hmm. to, you know, cope with whatever I was doing, even to correct me gently if I was doing something wrong. And I want to be there for others like that. We have new believers. We have believers who are struggling with faith and not everyone that you see in, in church has arrived at some, you know, mm -hmm. great um, standard of morality or holiness in some way. We are all on a journey. And in that way too, you know, we are very different. It, it's not just diversity in skin color or other things, ethnicity, but also diversity in just where our faith is at. Mm -hmm. And it's just so important for me to remind myself that I need to be patient with <laughs> someone mm -hmm. I see who's struggling or who thinks, you know, the heaven doesn't exist or hell doesn't exist or something like that. And, and to come alongside them, to not give up on them and to continue to encourage them. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jesus of everybody anywhere had every right to condemn, uh, you know, the people that weren't walking the way that they should be walking. Right. Yeah. And yet it was the people that were he was called a friend of sinners and, mm. um, you know, the people that were messed up 
and visibly messed up, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the, you know, broken people that gravitated to Jesus the most. Yeah. And so maybe the answer to how can the church do better is looking at Jesus's uh, example and just following him and saying, Jesus, I, I, in humility and grace saying, I can't, uh, I can't do this. Uh, yeah. I, I get judgy in my head. I get frustrated yeah. in my head. Uh, I need more of you. Um, anyway, uh, moving on to another thing that Lake brought up. Um, and Lake if you're listening, I sure hope you're enjoying this conversation. I, um, I hope that it's uh, like a love letter to you. But like I said, quote, I think you can get to a point where your faith is, if you're not careful, a concept. I don't want my faith mm-hmm. to be a concept. I want it to be real. Mm-hmm. Mabel, you're studying theology and you've been a Christian for a long time. Are there times when your faith has been a concept to you? Oh, many times, you know, I'm a normal (laughs) human (laughs) and it happens to even uh, those of us who, you know, being lifelong, who call ourselves lifelong Christians, at least. Um, And when I started theology, this was something that uh, stood out to me immediately within the first few weeks because I was learning so much. And for me, it became about doing the assignments and, and getting all this knowledge. And I was so happy and excited, but it just came down to doing the assignments. And then very quickly, I remember this was my very first semester. I had to go back to God and said, God, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. I'm learning your word. You know, it, this is such a privilege. I'm learning more about you. And I asked him, let this transform me because if it doesn't, then it is just a waste of time. And it, it's if it does not transform the way uh, my faith, if it doesn't transform the way I treat people, then it is of no use. And the second thing I asked is for whatever I'm learning to become real, that it is not some assignment that I'm doing. And so I started to, uh, at the end of every assignment, to pray and really ask God, what am I learning from here? What is it that you have for me that it should affect me? Um, and I'm not saying, you know, I've somehow conquered this, but throughout uh, my, this time of education and where I'm learning more and more, that's been my constant prayer. Because sometimes I also think, hey, I, I just uh, studied four books of the Bible today. Do I need to have my quiet time? You know, <laughs> and I cannot believe that I, I do that some days, you know, because it's an online course. So we have a very fast pace and I'm reading so much of the Bible and I'm making notes and studying it. But I know that that's not my time of devotion and that I need to be grounded. I need to strengthen my inner core um, because otherwise I, I see this as a futile exercise, frankly. And so in, at other times, has faith become a concept to me? Yeah, very much. And this is a danger, especially for those of us who've been Christians a long time, because it just becomes so much part of our lingo. And, you know, hey, I'll pray for you, you know, uh, or um, I've got this, I'm, I'm just going to, um, you're supposed to love people and I love you because you're part of God's family. It's easy to say such things because you have a vocabulary and you've been doing this for so long. And I, in my quiet time, I pray and and seminary has made me do this, that God, you give me back that wonder of knowing you Mm -hmm. and that wonder of salvation to appreciate every day what it is to be saved and to see it as a gift. Um, and then I thought of, you know, when I was listening to Lake and, and going through dry seasons, I thought of a few things that um, have worked for me in the past. And I'd like to share that. Yeah. I think one thing is um, I try to do is to ask myself, how have you seen God at work in your life? And I got this question from a Bible study we used to do. And every week we started with this question. We had to write down an answer. How did you see God at work in your life last week? And I think what that did to me, and I did it for several years, is it um, developed a thoughtfulness, thankfulness to see God at work in your lives. And when you start doing that on a regular basis, um, faith becomes real. You see that faith is real. 
And just last night, my husband and I were having a conversation. So he's about this. And he said, so where did you see God at, God at work today? And so I thought, you know, I had a regular day, but you'd, my husband did the dishes for me. You know, it was a long day and he did, he did the dishes and I'm just so thankful. And that is God at work for me in the little things to be able to see that, to recognize uh, that. And maybe, you know, you have a good day at work. That is because of God's work in your life. Um, second thing, I think, is to just tell God about it and talk to him. You know, this is just becoming dry for me. I feel like, God, you've gone silent. I don't hear from you. I don't feel like reading the Bible. I don't feel like, um, you know, a Christian anymore. Uh, and I think that is really helpful because um, God wants us to go with to him with those kind of struggles and answers. And unless we go to him, you know, um, I'm not going to say he's not going to help us, but we, when we do get over that season and get, and get the help we need, we look back and see his hand at work again. And so to continue to pray and talk to God about it, I think the worst thing you can do when these questions come up is to give up and walk the other way. Uh, what I've seen that has worked for me is to persist in my Bible study, even if I don't feel like it. You put you, I know your feelings say, hey, this is boring or I'm not getting anything out of it, but you keep doing it because you know that this is one way God is going to speak to you. You continue to fellowship with other believers because you never know. It could be, you know, a story that your friend shares that could be that point that becomes real to you. So you persist in, in praying, you persist in reading the Bible. And that has what work, has worked for me. Um, and I think even praying for others, and I do this deliberately over the years I've learned, if I'm going through a dry season, um, to be able to take my eyes off myself and focus on others and to ask my friends and family around, what are your prayer requests? Tell me, I want to pray for you. I want to intercede for you. Um, and that is very helpful because, it, again, it gets gives you an opportunity to see faith at work. Um, the last thing is to change my questions about, um, oh, why don't I feel, you know, um, God's presence in my life? Why don't I feel him talking to me? Why is just faith? Why does faith look distant to me um, to make it less about me? and to make it more about God, what do you want me to do here? You know, what is your plan for me? I don't feel like reading the Bible, but um, reach out to me, help me, and also show me how I can be a blessing to someone else today, uh, to kind of look up instead of looking inward. That has helped me a lot. Um, and even about just persisting, I can tell you two, three months ago, I went through a time where, you know, I was thinking, oh, I, I'm not hearing from God. I'm studying the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. But I know I, I'm, I need to be refreshed. I, I've, I'm going through a dry spell. And then we had this writers meetup online. And I was just going to, you know, bail because I didn't feel like it. But for some reason, I, I went with it. And we had a small group time of prayer. And it was my turn to pray for someone, you know, for someone's little girl who was struggling with their faith. And when I prayed, I just could feel uh, the words that came out of me were not from me. It was from the Holy Spirit. Mm. After I prayed, I was, you know, I mean, my body knew, you know, that you have those moments when you have that reaction. This was just not me. What just happened? It is the it's God who prayed on my behalf, mm. literally. And I was so happy because I felt refreshed at that moment. It was to me signaled, you know, that God is still continuing to work. And sometimes he's silent because he wants you to spend more time with him. Mm. And not in a capricious way, but he wants your attention. Uh, and, and, and that is also so beautiful that, that when for after a long period of time, when you spend more time with God and he, he listens and he reaches out to you in amazing ways, in ways that you don't even expect. And then you give all glory to God back. 
And, and so these dry seasons can be opportunities for spiritual growth, for bursts of creativity, I've seen mm-hmm. <laughs> even uh, a chance to even find a new ministry, you know, that all these things can come out of those circumstances. And the fact that Leke is asking these questions, I think is, it shows that faith is no longer a concept. She wants more. She wants to experience more of God's presence in her life. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit, that kind of longing, that desire God has already given her. And that's a gift. And so I am sure from what from what she's asking, the way she's questioning and seeking out, that is a prompting of the Holy Spirit. And um, God will definitely answer her prayer. You know, mm-hmm. if yeah. we seek him, we will find him. <laughs> that's right. That's that's right. Twenty nine thirteen, right? Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, I think. Yeah. That's one of my favorite verses, especially with this podcast. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, real quick, Mabel, I know you listened to Lake's entire episode, uh, her intro, and, and you came prepared, prayerfully prepared uh, today. Is there anything additional that you wanted to share with her if she's listening to this later? Um, yeah, I, I loved how honest she was, you know, about what she's going through and what she's dealing with. And I also saw that she was such a seeker. And I just want to assure her that God has chosen her and called her because, uh, you know, based on what happened in her childhood and being brought up by parents of two different faiths and how she changed churches and how wherever she goes, she's looking for a church. She said she wanted church to be like a home. I think that's proof that, you know, God is working in her life. So I just wanted to encourage her when I heard her story that I knew that um, she is called and chosen for a reason. Uh, And I wanted to just um, tell her that dry seasons are normal Um, and to, to continue to seek answers in God's word and in community like she's doing And, you know, sometimes with young people, they would rather find answers online than go to a a real person (laughs) or their own local pastor. And I remember in one of the churches, she said that this pastor really cared for her and he suggested resources that she was reading. Uh, And so I would encourage her, you know, I don't know where she's right now in Lagos or Abuja to find again that community or, or someone who's able to, and pray about it, find a mentor who can invest in you, who can come alongside you, not someone who's, you know, who feels like they know it all, but who wants to walk with you and encourage you. So pray for God to provide a mentor who understands what you're going through. I think that will make a big difference. Mm, Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, Just wrapping up here, Mabel, if people want to find out more about you and your ministry, where can they find you? Um, my website, mabelninen.com is a great uh, resource. And if you sign up to my newsletter, I send out a newsletter as often as I can, sometimes twice or thrice a month. Um, so that would be the best way to keep in touch. Okay, great. All right, final question. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are four gifts that uh we both believe that you can find uh, in Jesus Christ in relationship with him. Which of those things stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love? I would say restoration, definitely. Just to see, you know, even at every birthday, to see how God restores me, you know, uh, he takes all my mistakes <laughs> and he makes something beautiful out of it. He takes my brokenness and he heals it and makes something new out of it. And um, even when I fail, even when I sin on a daily basis, how he restores uh, restores me, that is amazing to me that that God could forgive me day after day after day not just forgive, but just forget and not hold those sins against me, but continue to use me. I mean, who am I that God can in any way, you know, use my life? And 
as he is continuing to restore me, he's also assuring me that I'm valuable in his eyes. I'm, I'm special and I'm loved by him and that I'm useful to him, that I can, he can use me to touch other people's lives. And that is just amazing to me. Yeah. Oh, what a pleasure it's been to get to know you a little bit here, Mabel. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with him. Until next time.